to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here is your host, your guide, your shining beacon of liberty, Mark Clare. Welcome once again to another edition of the Lions of Liberty podcast. Are you feeling it in the air? The holiday spirit. Hey guys, I'm not very religious. I live in a place that doesn't snow. But even a cold-hearted soul like me starts to get a little warm and fuzzy feeling around this time of year. Everybody's a little bit nicer. To sales, I love sales. I don't like all these lines. I go on the internet. I don't go to this Black Friday stuff, but hey, I love deals. I'm a sucker for a deal. I just picked up some new headphones so I can hear myself a little bit better when I'm talking to you out here on the Lions of Liberty podcast. I love this time of year. I can watch all my favorite Christmas movies, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, Christmas Story, the new classics like Home Alone, Elf. It's a great time of year. And next week, we're going to embrace that spirit with the Lions of Liberty Holiday Spectacular. How exciting. We're going to take a look back on the year in Liberty with some special guests. So make sure you tune in next week. Monday, December 23rd, just before Christmas, for the Lions of Liberty Holiday Special. Now this week, we're going to talk about a phrase that you might hear tossed around a lot, especially in libertarian circles, and that phrase is police state. Now some people think and argue that we live in a totalitarian police state right now while other people just dismiss the notion as an exaggeration, as hyperbole. It's not as bad as that. It's not going to be that bad. It can't happen here. Now, luckily, I've got an expert on this subject here with me today. He is the president and founder of the Rutherford Institute, a nonprofit organization dedicated to the defense of civil liberties and human rights. He is a constitutional attorney. And he's the author of 22 books, including his latest, Government of Wolves, The Encroaching American Police State. John Whitehead, welcome to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Great, thanks for having me on. Now, John, before we get into the content of your book, where you really break down in detail how the American government has turned into a police state, I'm a little curious about your history. How did you first become interested in constitutional law, and what made you decide to use your legal skills for you know, a great cause, protecting civil liberties of Americans? Well, in the, in the 60s, I was an activist and just got interested in you know this area of civil liberties, worked with a number of groups. I went to law school for the simple purpose of getting out and just fighting for constitutional rights. Because in the 60s, 70s, I saw them starting to dwindle. And since then, it's uh, like a jet plane has taken off. So that's why I'm in it today. I mean, I have uh, my own children, grandchildren, and I'm fearful of the future of the country. It doesn't look good right now. In fact, just the last year, it's been amazing all the things that have been revealed and where it's going. But I would say that we are not only living in the police state, but it's going to get worse, especially for those who are out there like you and me talking about it. Well, you're scaring me already, John. You're making me think I shouldn't be having you on today. Um, When you talk about the police state, you know, it's a term we hear tossed around a lot. And a lot of people will always come back and say, hey, no, it's just hyperbole. We don't really live in a police state. You guys are kind of, you know, exaggerating. This kind of thing can't really happen here. What do you say to that kind of talk? 
Read my book, I got one of Wolves, 30 pages of footnotes. Everything I do is footnoted. I mean, even if you go to Rutherford.org, I write a weekly commentary, all footnoted. Everything I say is footnoted. I mean, I have my own opinions. You know, again, I tone it down because I don't want people to think I'm conspiratorialist. In fact, I did have one uh, radio interviewer that says, you sound like a conspiratorialist, but I look at the back of your book and you have 30 pages of footnotes. So I footnote everything. Anything I say is definitely footnoted. Now, your founding of the Rutherford Institute, what specifically prompted you to start this organization itself, and what is the specific mission of the Rutherford Institute? It's a civil liberties group. I mean, I was working with various groups, ACLU and others, and the kind of people who were coming to me, and still the same kind of people who come to me, uh, those groups will not handle the cases. The case of Brandon Robb, I don't know if you know that case. I do. We did a whole report on that last year. He was at home working at his home business on his typewriter. He had just gotten through jogging. He had no shirt on. He heard all this noise outside. He looked out his window. He lives near Richmond, Virginia. Vans were pulling up his driveway. Police were running toward his home, black clad, other people and plain clothes people. And he stepped out front. He's a Marine, former Marine, uh, Iraq and Afghanistan. So he's aware. And he asked what's up. And they said, we've been reading your Facebook post. They immediately arrested him. He had no shirt on, remember, he got through jogging. They shoved him against the fence, slashed his back. He asked for bandages. They wouldn't give it to him. They put a prison shirt on him at the police station, and it stuck to his back. He said it was extremely painful. I called the police. His mother called us in a panic, and I said, what's he done? He said he's committed no crime. We're just concerned about his Facebook post. He may be mentally ill. He had a two-minute examination in a jail cell with a psychiatrist. He went before board shortly after and was put in a mental hospital. We got lawyers and got him out. We're in a lawsuit now against the federal government over this. But, you know, that's the kind of things that we're seeing. I mean, I'm having veterans call me from across the United States saying that because of Facebook posts or text messages, the FBI is knocking on their door asking for an interview, wanting to know what they're thinking. Really, you know, again, read the First Amendment, folks. It says you have a right to freedom of expression in America. You know, posting anti-Obama or anti-government things is your right. But the government doesn't seem to agree these days. Now, when you're speaking of the Brandon Robb case, we kind of compared it to the movie Minority Report, which you talk about in your book as well. It seems like, you know, he was basically taken in for pre-crime. I mean, he basically posted some stuff on Facebook and the argument was, well, this stuff makes us think you might commit a crazy crime in the future. Can you touch on what you talk about in your book a little bit regarding the movie Minority Report and the concept of pre-crime and how we're seeing that implemented today? Well, government is moving in that direction, but really, one more thing before I move on. Sure. Uh, what happened to Brandon Robb are called civil commitments. Uh, I was unaware how many there were in the country. There's 1.5 million that occur annually where people disappear in the mental hospitals. That's growing rapidly. In some states, it's rapidly increasing. So be sure you know someone you can call, a lawyer. Brandon Robb was lucky, really lucky. His mother got on Facebook. She went to some other groups. They said they were interested. Of course, I was. We helped him. What's happening with technology? I talk a lot about the film. Science fiction has become reality today, pre-crime. Uh, right now, the FBI is amassing a huge biometric data file. They want all your DNA, your blood samples. With DNA now, they can actually go back and find out what kind of ancestors you had, whether they were aggressive. I mean, if you're related to Thomas Paine, you'll be suspect in the future, in my opinion. And the future is about 10 years away. When I say future, I mean really soon. They're forcibly taking blood and DNA samples in some states from people. They just pull them over. They make them do it. The Supreme Court actually upheld that, by the way. 
police can now forcibly take DNA from you when you're arrested, even for a misdemeanor. So everything that you'll see in movies like Minority Report and the other films I talk about in my book, all that's coming true. In fact, the technology in Minority Report is now available to the government, all of it, but that movie's set in 2054, so we're 40 years ahead of the curve. So I'm telling people, go see those films. Go see John Carpenter's film, by the way, They Live, and others I talk about in the book. I mean, those are scary predictions of the so-called future, but as I'm saying, the future right now is becoming fact. I'm glad you mentioned the movie They Live, because that is one of my absolute favorite movies. I was glad that you brought that up in your book. I don't think I got it as much when I was a kid. I just thought it was cool at the time because Roddy Piper was in it, and it seemed like a fun movie. But watching that as an adult nowadays is just absolutely mind-blowing. I got an email from John Carpenter. Wow, really? <laughs> he said, keep up the good work. I like what you're doing. <laughs> well, that's a pretty strong endorsement, I'd say. <laughs> I would say it, yes. He now has the book. He's reading it. Wow. Now, in your book, you describe how the American government has created what you refer to as an electronic concentration. Can you describe exactly what you mean by that term? Well, it's whatever Snowden. I mean, the National Security Agency, everything that you do electronic, they know. Your bank records, your text messages, your Facebook, anything that you do, anything out there on the computer, they know. They have bases around the world. It's called Operation Echelon. They have bases in Iceland. Great Britain, all around the world, the Philippines, and so they actually have engulfed the globe. I have people who tell me they're going to get off the grid, they're going to move to Bolivia somewhere, but I've actually told by former NSA agents, no, that will work. I don't know if you saw the other day it was revealed that a lot of the appliances coming out of China to our country already have some kind of signal chip in them, and the government's talking about that in the future. In fact, I read an article today. The guess is within uh, five to ten years, most appliances you buy will have a trackable chip in it. So if you're in, a, let's say, someplace trying to hide out and you use your toaster, they'll know you're there. And put this in the mix. Drones start flying over America legally in 2015. They're predicting at least 30,000 by 2020 will be in the air. Drones will be equipped with scanning devices, rubber bullets, tasers, lasers, all kinds of things. They'll be able to see through the walls of your home. And what most people don't realize is the police already have mobile vans that have scanning devices. They're using local police. They can drive by your home and see you walk around your home what you're doing. That's the truth. The future's here. Yeah, you mentioned the drones there. Let's talk about drones a little bit more. As you mentioned, starting in 2015, I believe the FAA will allow drones to start flying. Private companies have applied for drone use. I read something last week about Amazon using drones. I mean, some of it seems like it can just help consumers, but how will government be using this technology? How will this be a danger to individual liberty? Well, there are a couple of people out there writing on it who said basically, well, we know how they're used overseas. They have, like I said, all the devices I just listed. Tasers, lasers, rubber bullets, sound cannons which pierce your ears. I mean, if you're going to be protesting in the future, what you're going to be facing is our drones that will be armed to the teeth. People will run. They will hide. I think free speech as we have known it will probably die if those things are loaded with weapons. There's the new Atlas drone. It's an android. It's a 300-pound, 6-foot man. And if you can go on YouTube, by the way, and watch this, it walks, it talks, that's your policeman of the future. That will be difficult to deal with at your front door. There are hummingbird drones, there are seagull drones, there are miniature drones, there are 
uh, prototype mosquito drones, which can land on you and inject you with something, or land on you and extract DNA from you. The uh, beetle drone is already, it it can be in your home. It can be crawling under your counter and listening to you. And again, uh, there's nothing safe. The FBI admits now. The FBI just admitted a few days ago they can turn your laptop on. It becomes a camera now. They can watch you. They now say they can turn your phone on from a distance, and it becomes a microphone. The phones of the future, they're saying within five to ten years, will have facial recognition software, motion detectors. Anywhere you go will be detected. They will know exactly what you're doing. And, you know, again, used for a pre-crime. A lot of it's going to be used for pre-crime, in my opinion. And listen, the crime of the future is not going to be what you think crime is. It could be disagreeing with the government, trying to go organize a protest. Interviewing the president of a prominent civil liberties institute. Exactly. People forget, as I detail in my book, the FBI collected 17,000 pages of information against Martin Luther King to use against him to try to stop the man. Fortunately, he kept on moving. But John Lennon, the Beatle, 400 pages of information because he was uh, organizing anti-war protests. Let's go back and let's, let's move those two people up in the future. Today, with all the technology they have, they'd have they'd be being watched constantly. So, do we live in a police state? Anybody that thinks otherwise is incre- incredibly silly. Just look up the facts, folks. Study it. I, again, my book's a good place to start. i got to move along. It really seems like we have kind of two things happening at the same time. We have these new laws being put into place, like the Patriot Act, the NDAA, and then at the same time, we have these emerging technologies that seem to enable the government to, you know, use these laws even more effectively to spy on us. They sneak. We have a secret government. Fourth Amendment's really clear. We're to be secure, and that's the word, and most of your listeners probably have never read the Fourth Amendment. That's what I find with Americans, but read the Fourth Amendment. It says we have to be secure in our homes, houses, persons, papers, and effects unless the government can ha- have some kind of evidence where they can touch us or come on our property, and if they have time, it's not an emergency, they get a warrant. Well, the Supreme Court two years ago, we haven't talked about this yet, SWAT team raids, ruled that if a SWAT team arrives at your door and it's the wrong address, they have no warrant, and they think you might be doing something illegal, they can come through your door. One judge dissented, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, she said it was the end of the Fourth Amendment. And your home is no longer your castle. So don't think that. It's entirely silly again. I mean, that's one of the scariest subjects in your book that you really get into in detail are these SWAT team raids. I mean, it seems like they're sending in a SWAT team for everything from collecting student loans to, uh, you know, minor marijuana suspicion. I mean, just about anything the local police can use to send in a SWAT team, even if it's the wrong house. And the scariest thing, as you say, is they basically have said if you defend yourself against a SWAT team, I mean, they have... They have the right to kill you, which seems crazy because, you know, according to the Fourth Amendment, if we have the right to be secure in our homes and some men <laughs> clad in, in a black outfits and guns break into your home, most people are going to think, uh-oh, I'm being invaded. I'm, it's a home invasion. I have to defend myself. And it is a home invasion. It's just a home invasion by the people who are supposed to be theoretically protecting, protecting us. us. Yeah. I detail a lot of cases. One of the most striking is the case of Jose Guerrero, the former Marine in Arizona a couple years ago. 3 a.m. in the morning, that's when they do SWAT team raids when you're asleep so that you can't defend yourself. Flashbang grenades went off in his home. He woke up, grabbed his kids. He thought, he thought there were robbers in the home. He pushed his wife and kids in the closet. He stood at the end of this hallway with his hunting rifle. 
The police entered, shot over 70 times, hit him 50 times. He was laying bleeding on the floor. They wouldn't let the medics help him. The police claimed he shot at them. An investigation showed the safety had never come off his weapon. That's the type of things we're seeing. They always shoot the dogs, those kind of things. All federal agencies now, by the way, IRS, the Department of Education, you said they're doing SWAT team raids on overdue loans. Department of Fisheries, Department of Homeland, all have SWAT teams. And if you remember, about a year ago, the uh, Department of Homeland Security purchased, had made special for them over one billion hollow point bullets for use by their agents, all federal agents. If you know what hollow point bullets are, they enter with a small hole and exit with a very large hole. In other words, they kill you. Kennedy and King were both shot in the head with hollow point bullets. What's going on in government? There's an extreme paranoia. I know one thing, we deal with a lot of veterans coming back, is they have a program called Operation Vigilant Eagle. They're very, very nervous about vets that are coming back, and they're quite disgruntled because they're seeing a lot of things overseas, all the corruption with the Army and, you know, dealing with uh, the Afghans and stuff, all the, all the opium-making and stuff. In fact, I had an Air Force pilot who was top of his class at the Air Force Academy, he visited me and says, I'm sick of my government. I was over there, and he said, I was gung-ho, and one day I drove by an opium field, and they were harvesting opium. He said the American troops were guarding it as they harvested the opium field. And I went, you're kidding me. He said, no. He said, that completely disillusioned me. And then he found out about crates of money going into Afghanistan. He said, just American dollars dropping in people's hands. He said, it's so corrupt. So those guys are coming back now, and they're, Really, really making some anti-government statements, and they should. Again, they have a right to, but the government's watching everything they do. Wow. We're handling the cases. We see it. Uh, it seems on one hand we have this, this war on drugs, which gives them the excuses to go in and, and perform all these raids. And I mean, I think most of the ones I've read about are, are, are drug-related. Marijuana raids. Believe this, the SWAT team raids get a federal grant for doing SWAT team raids on marijuana, even if it's a guy with a couple of joints. Now, again, remember, in the old days, in the old days, or about 20 years ago, a single policeman arrives at your door if they have evidence of the warrant and asks to search your home. Now, today, it's uh, 10 guys in black outfits with uh, all this equipment. But where they got the equipment started in the 1980s, under the Reagan administration, the Department of Defense started handing out military equipment to all the police agencies. It's Zoom now. Billions of dollars going out. Tanks, tank-type vehicles, guns, helmets. Even your local police now all have SWAT teams funded by the federal government. Oh. So we no longer have local police. And by the way, many of your local police are semi-trained either by the military or by federal agents. So your so-called local police don't really exist basically anymore. With the Brandon Robb case I talked about earlier, it was local police, Department of Homeland Security, FBI, and other agencies working together to put him in a mental institution for anti-Obama Facebook post. Now, John, can you comment a little bit on just why do you think all this is happening? What is the directing and guiding force behind the, all this tyranny? I mean, is this just the inevitable shape? that all governments will take if populations don't stay vigilant? I mean, why are there all these SWAT team raids? Why do they want to do this to people? Where does this all come from? Well, kids in school now, I mean, I talk to uh, law students who can't give me the five freedoms in the First Amendment. People don't know their history, but if you read your history of the people who found this country, Jefferson, Madison, Washington, Samuel Adams, Thomas Paine, they all said the same thing. The government will grow, government inevitably moves toward the corrupt if you don't correct it. And it's 
Those three words that the Constitution begins with, and I hope most people know that, we the people, we, we are the government, but when we're sitting on our butts watching 160 hours of television a month, nothing's going to happen. It's just going to move forward. The large corporate interests, the lobbyists, I'm told by friends that work in D.C., control everything. I mean, all that equipment going to local police, well, guess who sold it to the federal government and guess who paid for it? Large corporate interests sell it, taxpayers pay for it, then they use it again. So we live in a corporate state. I mean, people have to wake up to that reality. I mean, to be honest with you, I have students that study with me. When Romney was running against Obama uh, this last election, I said, I'd like to know who's funding these two guys. So I had a group of students, University of Virginia students, top of their class. They brought back the list. Virtually every corporation that was supporting Obama was supporting Romney. Yeah, I mean, that seems to be a really big part of this, too, is the, the crony capitalist element at play and how many companies are just making so much money off the sales of these equipment. Now, what about the body scanners? Wasn't that a really big? I mean, I know those were kind of sold by um, the head of the Department of Homeland Security at the time. Can you get into that a little bit? Large corporations lobby for the scanning devices. And again, I've written on that. Go to Rutherford.org. I write a weekly column. You can read about all this. Yeah, they lobbied. They were never tested. I mean, you get at least 20 times the radiation in those scanners you do at the dentist's office. And the last time you were at the dentist, when they did an x-ray on your teeth, you remember what they put on your chest? Yeah, a lead vest. They do it my dentist. Yeah. Exactly. They don't do it when you go through the scanners at the airport. Because, in my opinion, they really don't give a damn about the American citizen. So frequent travelers should not go through those. They should opt out and get patted down. Pregnant women are being warned not to go through those or children. It's very corrupt. You realize now that many of those scanners are being stored in a warehouse in Texas. They're phasing them out for new equipment. The, the old millimeter machines actually work better. So we got taken to the cleaners again. But how do we get taken to the cleaners? Americans are sitting on their butt, not doing anything about it. Now, you mentioned the Brandon Robb case. I want to touch on a few of the cases that you've been working on recently as well. Uh, one of them is the case of Andrea Hernandez. She's a high school student in Texas. I guess they wanted everyone to wear these little cards with RFID tracking chips in them, and she refused. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a Texas school larger than they were forcing all the students to wear tracking chips. They did it for, if they keep the attendance up at school, they got an extra monetary grant from the state, the school did. Andrea Hernandez objected to them on privacy grounds. She's a Christian girl. She thought it was the mark of the beast. They actually removed her from school. We filed a lawsuit. It took about a year, and finally they backed off. The publicity was really bad. And believe it, it wasn't in this country. It was, uh, I got interviewed from France, Sweden, countries like that. And like the reporters from other countries kept saying, our Americans crazy. I said, yeah, so they put up with this. So finally the school backed down because of the bad publicity. But those are going to spread because there's about seven, I think, seven corporations, including IBM and AT&T, that are making those chips. They'll lobby the schools, and those will be in schools. There's at least 50 schools in, uh, I want 20 states now that have biometric palm meters in the schools. They read everything on your palm. They know everything about you. All that's coming. What scares me about the things going on in the schools, it seems like they're really trying to train obedience from a very young age, kind of train people to think in a prisoner mentality that you don't have rights from the very beginning. That's something very worrisome. It's a trend I've seen in schools. I've read a lot about situations where they'll have kind of fake terror drills in schools and, you know, SWAT teams will bust in, rush the kids out into a bus, you know, people will point guns at them. Can you get into that a little bit? 
Well, yeah, we have those kind of cases, but the case we have right now that's gone viral is the case of Johnny Jones of Pennsylvania. I don't know if you kept up with that, but he's a 10-year-old. He went up to the desk. He needed a pencil, and the teacher said, come up and grab it, Johnny. He grabbed a pencil. On his way back to his seat, one of his friends took his notebook, pointed at Johnny Jones, and silently with his mouth went, pow. Johnny Jones took the pencil, made an imaginary arrow, an imaginary string, and pretended to shoot an arrow. He was removed. Both boys were removed from the school and suspended and charged with weapons violation under the zero tolerance policy. We're fighting the school over that now, but those cases are popping up everywhere. Kids are getting arrested, taken out of schools. We got these cases where uh, four boys are on the playground going pow pow with their fingers. They're in kindergarten. They're pulled into the office. The police are called. They're removed from school. So we're seeing those. We've been fighting those cases since the 90s. But I think what they're trying to do in the schools now, and I think it is a mindset. I'm not saying it's a conspiracy, but it's a mindset in that kids are going to be taught to be very compliant. I mean, you're having in some of the large cities rectal examinations going on on the street while people watch. Folks, that's a violation of the Fourth Amendment. But why are people watching? Because most people don't know it's illegal or unconstitutional. So that's your future generation. It's only going to get worse. I mean, if a kid just moves his eyebrows in the wrong way, there's intense gun phobia in schools now. At the same time, the police are shooting unarmed citizens. So it doesn't really make any sense. Now, John, early on in this interview, you mentioned how things are going to get a lot worse, especially for people like you and me who are out there talking about this stuff and trying to sound the alarm and trying to inform people. Can you just kind of touch on, you know, why people that are activists kind of have the, the most to be worried about in some ways? Well, uh, look at Martin Luther King. Look at, you know, the people shot in the 60s, the Kennedys, all of them down the list. If you get active, uh, things may happen to you. And I'm not saying anybody did anything wrong there with the government, but you never know. If you get active, uh, you're going to be watched. I mean, it's the troublemakers. If you go down the history of great activists like Jesus or Gandhi or King, they wound up in bad situations. So if you have a government that has no morals and their basic intent is not to protect us, then what's going to happen to people who resist? And I'm surprised how few people resist today. I mean, I was an activist in the 60s, and I'm still waiting for an uprising on what we're seeing. But again, as I say, most people are distracted. So those few people out there, you know, the Occupy movement of uh, the fall of 2011, New York, Oakland, they beat the holy crap out of those people. Pepper sprayed them in the face sitting on the ground. Now, let's move forward like to 2020 with drones equipped with weapons. What do you think is going to happen to those people? So the future of the country doesn't look good. There is hope if you get active, you get educated. Education precedes action. So I'd say read the articles off the Internet, my book and others out there that people need to read. Get active. Get down to your local city council. Start making your city council pass resolutions against these things. If a SWAT team raid happens in your local community, go protest. If a kid's still out of school for shooting an imaginary bow and arrow, get down and make sure those policies are changed. You're not going to do it, though, if you're sitting on your butt. When I hear somebody standing up for freedom, like this little Johnny Jones parents in Pennsylvania with an imaginary bow and arrow, I say, that's good. There were two kids suspended that day. Only one fought back. Most parents don't fight back against these things. Most citizens just take it. I mean, I just watched a video of a 72-year-old woman being slammed face down by two policemen in Georgia brutally. Her face smashed on the ground. 72 years on two large cops. 
Another video I just watched where they where they open the door, guys in the back seat of a car, they stick the dog on, and the dog shoot him in the back seat. Nothing happens to those police. And we're sitting watching this stuff. We're not doing anything in our local communities to resist it. You can do things locally. You can get out here and get active, but you're going to have to get up and do it. And that really is the point, guys. I mean, as long as this stuff goes on, eventually, when it comes down to it, <laughs> this tyranny can only happen if the masses accept it. I mean, right now, the masses are accepting it. Right. That's that. It's just mind blowing when you hear things about people can just sit there and watch an officer perform a rectal exam on someone and think it's perfectly normal. And that's a scary. They caused bleeding of men in Milwaukee. They've been sued. Wow. And yeah, that's what's scary. The, the fact that how normal it's becoming. And yeah, that's why you, John Whitehead, are out there talking about this stuff, writing this book. I highly recommend Government of Wolves, Encroaching American Police State. Can you please just, before you go, give everybody a quick rundown of where they can find your book, where they can find your writings, and how they can, you know, contact the Rutherford Institute if they need help with something or, well, or if they just want to donate. Go to our website, rutherford.org. You contact us, read my weekly commentaries, my book, A Government of Wolves, The Emerging American Police State, is on Amazon.com. Read it. Get active. As James Madison said, he wrote the Constitution, essentially the father of the Constitution. Take alarm. At the first experiment with liberties. And guys, remember, it's almost the end of the year. The tax man's going to come pretty soon. And the Rutherford Institute is a nonprofit. So anything you give to them, you know, can be taken off your taxes. It's a double win. You take a little less, you know, the state gets a little less. And it can help out a good cause as well. John Whitehead, thank you so much for joining me today on the Lions of Liberty podcast. Hey, thanks for the good interview. And we will be back after a quick word from our sponsors. This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at theplacetobenation.com, your pop culture home. Agree to disagree. Yeah, it's a radio show we have on thenewamericanmedia.com every single Friday at 4.30 p.m. Pacific. Join the show. What do we talk about? Politics, religion, and spirituality. Basically anything you're not supposed to talk about in a bar. <laughs> you're not supposed to have these conversations inside of a bar, but we have them every single Friday at 4.30 p.m. Pacific on thenewamericanmedia.com. Join the show, offer your opinion, and let's agree to disagree, but let's have a good conversation. This is Glenn Jacobs, and you're listening to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here is your host, your guide, your shining beacon of liberty, Mark Clare. Wow. Now, guys, you know, even after reading his articles consistently, reading his book, you know, being familiar with everything that he's talking about, I, I still found myself at a complete loss for words several times during my interview with John Whitehead. And as he said, if you do even the slightest amount of research into what is going on today with all the totalitarian laws, the NDAA, where people can just be taken away for, you know, just for being accused of being a terrorist, you don't need to be tried, convicted, or even formally charged. And we did a whole podcast on that with Dan Johnson of Panda, episode three. Be sure to check that out. The Patriot Act, which gives the government unprecedented legal powers to spy on you. And on top of that, that's not even mentioning all the completely illegal stuff that they're just doing. You know, these SWAT team raids, they'll just break into someone's house and shoot them. Doesn't even matter if it's the wrong house. You wake up in the middle of the night. You can wake up in the middle of the night and have 10 guys dressed in all black pointing guns at you. 
you know, what do you do? There's almost nothing you can do. You can either get thrown down and find yourself, you know, your head slammed to the ground and put in jail. Or you can make a move, look at him funny, or just do the logical thing and try to defend yourself against this home invasion and you're dead. We have the formation of this electronic concentration camp where they can pretty much track everything we're doing. Our phone calls, our emails, our texts. They can track our cars. They want to install. I didn't even get to talk about a lot of this stuff with John Whitehead because there is just so much. I could have done three hours with him talking about all the stuff that is going on today with new technology and how the government is attempting to utilize it to track us and spy on us. You know, they, they want to start installing GPSs in all cars. They want to read how many miles you're going. They want to know where you're going at all times. Same thing in your phone. You know, I'm supposed to go get a new phone tomorrow, and the new iPhone has this fingerprint scan. I don't think I want a fingerprint <laughs> scan on my iPhone. I don't think I need someone having access to that. You know, people might blow that off as no big deal, and maybe some of these things might be no big deal or not that big a deal if they're isolated on their own, but when you look at this big picture and you look at everything that's going on, it's very clear that we're going in a certain direction and it's not a good one. Now guys, I don't do this podcast. I didn't have John Whitehead on today to scare people. It's the holiday season. I don't want you to be afraid. I want you to be happy. I want everybody to be happy. Have a good time. Spread the message of liberty in a positive way. John Whitehead didn't write his book government of wolves the encroaching american police state to scare you he did it to inform you and i do this podcast to inform you and to get you thinking and to get you talking about ideas not to scare you that's what they want the powers that be whoever they may be you know whoever pulls the strings of this gigantic government they're the ones that want a population in fear they thrive and live on a population remaining in a state of fear, remaining in a state of distraction. They don't want you to think about this stuff. But it's truly a sign of a sickness in our society when the police can give people rectal exams on the street and people can just watch and think, not even think there's anything necessarily wrong with it. Think that that's just what the police need to do to keep us safe. That's not right, folks. It's not right at all. In fact, I would call it wrong. All of this stuff is wrong. It's going in the wrong direction. But you know, I'm not a pessimist. Believe it or not, neither is John Whitehead. Because while all this stuff is still going on, all these emerging technologies that can track us, at the same time, a lot of these new technologies are helping us communicate with each other. You know, if we didn't have all this communication, a lot of this stuff could just go on and we wouldn't even realize it, you know? There'd be SWAT team raids all over the place and no one would even have a clue. I wouldn't be sitting here in my house talking to John Whitehood across the country about it and producing this podcast for you. So there's a lot of things to be positive about. You know, right now the population just accepts it, but in many ways the population doesn't know what they accept because they're not informed. We need an informed citizenry. Right now we have a sick society, a very sick society, but I think it can get better. I know it can get better. <laughs> I don't think we're born totalitarians. I don't think we're born 
You know, as people that think it's cool to get rectal exams on the side of the street, or to think it's fine for SWAT teams to break into someone's house and kill them in the middle of the night. This isn't normal, and I don't think I'm the crazy one to think that it's not normal. And I like to think that everybody out there listening, most of you, maybe there are just a few totalitarians that just decide to listen to the Lions of Liberty podcast, and hey, I'm happy to have you guys too. I welcome the totalitarians, the fascists, the Nazis, the communists, I want all you listening. Because even you guys can change. It's all about ideas. A lot of people have bad ideas. I might have some bad ideas, I don't know. I like to think I got some good ones, and I like to think that the Liberty Movement has a lot of good ones. That's what we're here to push forward. That's what we do at LionsofLiberty.com. Advance the ideas of Liberty Daily. You feeling it, guys? You feeling the plugs? They're coming! Please check out our website, LionsOfLiberty.com. Find us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash LionsOfLiberty. Twitter, at LionsOfLiberty. You can find us on Google+. And don't forget, if you like my show, subscribe to it on iTunes. Subscribe to it on the Stitcher Radio app. You can come over to our site, download the files directly. You can use an RSS reader to check out our RSS feed. I don't really care how you do it. I just hope you'll listen, and I hope you'll share the things we're talking about. Even if you don't share the podcast itself, I hope you'll talk about this stuff in your everyday life with your friends at the bar, at Christmas dinner. It's a great time. You got your whole family there. They love you. They'll listen to you. They might think you're a kook, but they'll listen to you. You can plant some seeds, get people talking, get people thinking, because, guys, the only way we can stop this police state from getting worse is by changing people's attitudes about it. It's allowed to happen. People don't know about it. Well, we can do something about that. You know, we can talk to people. We have that ability. It's all there for us. All the technology. And they have to stop accepting it. If you know about it, and you think it's great, you think TSA body scans are great, you think rectal exams on the side of the road, SWAT team raids in the middle of the night, if you think all this stuff is great, now informing you about it won't help. But we have to stop accepting it. You gotta stop laying down. I'm not talking about rising up, armed resistance, any of that stuff. I believe in peace. I believe peace and nonviolence is the only way to change this. It's the only way to fight violence legitimately, is by being the opposite. Being about ideas, being about honest discussion, helping your fellow man voluntarily because you want to, not because the state pointed a gun at you. That's what we're doing here at Lions of Liberty. Really hope you'll join us, and we hope you'll join us next week for the Lions of Liberty Holiday Spectacular! And in the meantime, if you have any thoughts on the show, anything to say, if you're one of those totalitarians or communists, and you don't like what I'm talking about your police state, hey, drop me an email. I'll talk to you. My email is mark, M-A-R-C, at lionsofliberty.com. And my inbox is an open door. I hope you'll step in it. And I hope you'll keep checking out our podcast each and every week, ish. <laughs> Do my best. Guys, thank you so much for joining me. We will see you all next week. And don't forget, live long and live free. Mastering is John Dogger.